sing all three stances. Lord, in our service, Lord, this morning, to learn something from your word. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts, keep our minds and our thoughts on the word preaching today, Lord, and uh, bless all the needs that are here, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. 261. Sing, Trust and Obey. Light up. 
Solomons. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to bring a message about Abraham this morning. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and lot with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land under the place of Sychem, under the plain of Mori, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. 
God has called many men in the Bible for great tasks. He has called people like Noah, of course, to build an ark. He called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He called Joshua to defeat the city of Jericho. He called David to defeat Goliath. There's many others in the Bible that God has called to do great things. And here we have God calling Abraham to do something. Now, if you notice in the Bible, many times when God called men to do something great, sometimes it was seemingly difficult, even strange on the surface. And God still calls people to do things today. Maybe God has called you to do something. Maybe God is calling you to do something. Maybe God will call you to do something. It may not be something as great as uh, some people that he called to do things in the Bible, uh, but it might be something simple. Nevertheless, God still calls people to do certain things, and my title is Abraham's Calling. Abraham's Calling. I'm going to give you three points about Abraham's Calling. It's going to concern the call and the response. And there are some things that this involved. Number one, I want you to see that it involved, uh, at least on Abraham's part, it involved, let me erase this real quickly. Number one, it involved submission. Submission. Look at verse four. Verse four. What does it say there? It says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed after Haran. So it involved submission on Abram's part. God called him in verses one through three. He God told him he there was the call, there was the command. He said, Get up out of this country uh, from your kindred and go and leave. Go to a land that I will show thee. And it says that Abram departed. He obeyed. He submitted. And it involves submission. If God calls you to do something, he requires submission on your part. What does the word submit mean? The word submit means to yield or surrender oneself to the will or authority of another. Now, God calls us to do all kinds of things in the Bible. There are basic things that God would have every Christian to do when he is, once he gets saved, the Bible talks about the will of God and that in a general sense for everybody, there are certain things people ask, oh, what is the will of God for my life? Well, many times when they ask that, they're talking about something that's unique and specific to their life. But in a general sense, the Bible reveals God's will for everybody in a general sense. The Bible says the Lord is not willing that any shall perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will for everybody to first get saved. And then there's sanctification where um, the Bible says, you know, this is the will of God for you, even your sanctification, you abstain from certain things and all of that. And so there's the general will of God, then there's um, beyond that, there's a unique will of God that is not the same for everybody. And God may call you to do something great. God may call you to do something very simple. But I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a second. Imagine Abram, Abram well, well, the Bible calls him Abram because he had later changed his name to Abraham, and so I'm going to call him Abraham just because that's how we normally refer to him as. But imagine Abraham uh, being told to do some of these things in verses 1 through 3. 
And uh, imagine that you are Abraham at this time and you have to move. And God says, God appears to you and he says, I want you to pack, pack your bags and get ready and leave and go. You're going to move. You're going to move from this place. You're going to go somewhere. Now, at this time, they didn't have any postal service. They didn't have these moving companies where, where you could call somebody and they come and they move your furniture and put it into a loading truck or a van or something like that. And all the modern conveniences that we have today, they didn't have those things. And, you know, if you read about Abraham, it says that he had a lot of possessions. He had animals. He had, um, I mean, he was well-to-do. He had a lot of possessions. And so he had to move these things. He had a lot of, obviously, he had a little bit of help. But still, it was a major inconvenience. I don't know about you, but I hate moving. I hate moving. Absolutely hate it. And I've had to move several times uh, at, you know, when I relocate or, or because um, when I was renting and then they want to sell the house and they say you have, you have so many days to move out or whatever because we're sell the house is going up on the market and something like that. And some, some people, I don't know uh, why, but they move all the time they'll they'll come to hawaii and be here for a couple of years and then move back to the mainland and then move to another country move to another state and they can't stay put about move about every six months i'm the opposite of that it's these people in the military that have to relocate all the time i don't know how they do it with families and then they have to move somewhere and then they finally get settled and buy the furniture and decorate the house and then they have to do it all over again that would drive me crazy i remember when I moved, I moved to the mainland to go to Bible school. And I did not realize how much stuff I had until I had to move. And I was just a single guy. I can't imagine these people that have families and they just have in the military or whatever, and they have to pack up everything and move all of that and sell stuff for pennies on the dollar because they have to leave at a certain time and, um, then move to the mainland or, or move to another house and then buy it all over again and then have to resell it and all of that. I hate moving. I hate moving because you accumulate so much stuff and then you have to box it and move it. You know that, that saying where they say you never know what you have until you lose it. Well, you know what is also true is you never know what you have until you have to move it. <laughs> Because uh, I remember having all these boxes. I'm thinking, I can't believe, how, where did I store all this stuff? How did I have all this stuff? Where was it stored? And now I have boxes and boxes and boxes. And so when I was in Bible school and then I was going to move back here to Hawaii, I had to box up all my stuff, which was mostly books. And I had a lot of books. I had to load up the back of my pickup truck and, and take all these books to the post office. And, you know, it always takes a lot longer than you anticipate when you're packing and boxing things to move. And I remember I was thinking, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get it done, you know, stay up late tonight and I'll get it done and I'll, I'll wake up and go to the post office in the morning. And I remember, and, and I had a deadline. I mean, I had to get this stuff shipped the next day. And I remember that day when I was boxing up all my stuff, which was mostly books, I stayed up the entire night without sleeping. That's how long it took me. And I, I, about twice as long as I thought. And I stayed up all the way boxing up all of this until the post office opened the next morning. And I drove my truck down there and 
and shipped that stuff off. But I mean it, and then came back to came back home and went to bed because I had stayed up all night boxing up my stuff. Now think about Abraham. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You know this took great faith on Abraham's part. In fact, the Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out unto a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Now, now that takes faith because he doesn't know where exactly where he's going. He hasn't been there before. God all of a sudden just says, I want you to pack up and I want you to leave. It took faith on uh, Abraham's part to do this. I remember when I went to Bible school, it took faith on my part because I had never visited the place where the school was. I did not know where I was going to live. I did not know where I was going to work. I didn't have any job lined up. I didn't even have a place, place to live before I got there, all of a sudden I, I just, I felt like it was God's will for me to go. I knew about the school and all of that, but I didn't know a, a whole lot about the the city where it was. And, and I didn't go and visit ahead of time. You know, missionaries, a lot of times they'll take a survey trip, which is a good thing um, to go and, and prepare themselves for where they're going to be and kind of, um, you know, confirm their calling and things like that. And I didn't take a survey trip. I didn't go visit the school and all of that. And, well, let's see, do I want to come here or do I not? No, I just, I felt like God wanted me to go, and so I went. And it did took, take a step of faith on my part in that regard. Now, Abraham, it required faith on his part to submit to the will of God. He submitted to God. The Bible talks about obedience. There's a fam uh, one famous preacher, he said this, delayed obedience is disobedience. Somebody else said this, how you obey God today will determine what you'll be for God tomorrow. Abraham submitted, Abraham submitted. Are you submitted to God's authority? Notice that Abraham submitted to God, God's authority. This was God's will. He said, yes, I'm gonna do it. And he went. If God commands you to do something, will you do it? You know, he's already commanded us to do all kinds of things in the Bible. He may, he may command you or call you to do something unique and specific to your life. It may be big, it may be small, but what will your response be? It may take some faith on your part. God's calling is not always convenient. God's calling is not always convenient. I find that many people, many people, one of the reasons why they don't get saved is because they don't want to yield to somebody else's authority. They don't want to submit. They want to be their own boss. They want to be their own God. I was watching an atheist debate, and this atheist, of course, how they always start out, they always claim that the reason why they are an atheist is because there simply is not enough evidence to convince them of the existence of God or God's plural. And they always say, well, it's always a, it's a lack of evidence. It's a lack of evidence. It's a lack of evidence. And I was watching this debate, and the one of the debaters who was arguing for the existence of God brought up that the topic that they were discussing is, is there any 
grand purpose to life outside of something that's a, a purpose that somebody creates for themselves. Is there any purpose to life? And the atheist was arguing, he was saying, no, there's not. Outside of, of somebody that, that creates a purpose for their own life, there's that purpose that you can create. But other than that, there is no purpose to life uh, it, as far as human life. It's just no different than a plant. Is there any great purpose for a weed to grow? No, it's just doing naturally what it, what it does based on the conditions and the environment. It just, just grows. There's no grand purpose. And he said the reason is because there is no God. There's no God to give it purpose. And that was the atheist that was arguing that, of course. And then the person who was arguing that, no, there is a purpose to life because we have been designed and there is a creator. And so what was very striking and revealing is one of the comments that the atheist made. Because here he had been saying the reason why I'm an atheist is simply because there's a lack of evidence to convince me that there is a God. And then he said, if even if there was a God who had a will and a purpose for our life, he said, even if there was, it still doesn't matter because it's my life. That's what he said. It wouldn't matter if there was a God and there was a purpose to life because it's my life. In plainer words, he was saying, I shouldn't have to yield and submit to a higher authority because it's my life. Why should I have to live my life in accordance to what somebody else dictates? He had a problem with authority. I don't know if he... If he understood it at the time but what he was revealing he was revealing one of the root causes for his unbelief it was a heart matter it was a spiritual matter now of course if there is a God it makes perfect sense to acknowledge that it would be in your best interest to submit and yield to the authority of somebody who is much more powerful, much more intelligent, much more holier and, and much more holy and moral than you are. But imagine somebody having the audacity to say, here's this spiritual being who, if he exists, if he is who the Bible describes him as, perfect, holy, moral, all-knowing, all-powerful, and having to yield to that who created the universe. And here I am in his sight, I'm just like a little mosquito. And how dare this being expect me to submit to his authority? It was very revealing. You know, here's, here's by the way, a little side note about this authority. Because that is the reason why many people don't get saved or claim that they don't believe in God. If somebody is arguing against the existence of God, simply pose this question. If 
you somehow found out that the Bible was true, would you then become a Christian? If they say no, no, because uh, why should I worship that God? Why should I? Well, what's the point in, in continuing the argument? They've already revealed that first they say, well, there's not enough evidence. And then you, if you say, suppose, hypothetically, there was the evidence and you, and you did discover that there was a God and the Bible was true, then would you then believe and become a Christian? If they still say no, well, that, that's not rational. You see, it's a spiritual, underlying spiritual condition. Now, Abraham, Abraham submitted to God's authority. You know what the one song that has been covered the most People have cover songs. Cover song is some. There's an original artist, and then somebody else sings that song or plays that song. The one that I, I researched, the one song that has been covered the most is "I Did It My Way." <laughs> Why would people choose to sing that? Well, that's the th that's the attitude of most people. They want to do it their way. They don't want to submit to God's authority. That's human nature. Oh boy, little kids, they don't want to submit to the authority of the parents, do they? Grown adults, they don't want to submit to somebody else's authority. Abraham submitted to God's authority. Submission, submission. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but thine be done. Thine be done. Submission, something else that it involved on Abraham's part Go to Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Not just submission. Something else that often is involved in God's calling on your life. And that is separation. Separation. Look at verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. He says, Abraham... Get up and not just leave, but I want you to leave certain people. I want you to leave a certain land. I want you to separate, separate. He had to separate from his own country. I would imagine that he was probably comfortable where he lived. He probably had his daily routine. He had his farm and his house and, and all of these things. The Bible says at this time that he was 75 years old. Normally when somebody reaches the age of 75, they have settled down. <laughs> They're, they're no longer in their 20s who like to wander around and they're not a, a free soul that likes to travel the world and, and move every six months and all they have is a suitcase. No, when you're 75, you've settled down. You know, you're retired and, and you, you wherever you are living, most of the people at that age, they figure this is my home. I'm settled down. I'm going to, I'm going to be here the rest of my life. This is where I'm going to die. I mean, I maybe you plan you where you have your burial plot in the cemetery nearby or something like that. And he was not at the age where he was anticipating to have to move, uh, not just that, not just move, but move to another country away from his family. That phrase, there's no place like home, right? No place like home, no place like home. It's funny, Justin, at, at the young age of three, we'll be out somewhere driving around all day running errands in the car and he and he he said this more than once he said mommy i'm tired i want to go home i want to go home and i i said why do you want to go home i i, I just like to 
pick his mind and and he's you know at that age they have these real profound cute answers and things and uh, I said why do you want to go home and he said because I'm tired and I, I, I said, what are you going to do when we get home? He said, I'm going to rest. I said, are you going to rest in your bed? He said, no, on the couch. On the couch. He knows that home is just a, a comfortable place. Just to get home and just take your shoes off and just sit on the couch and just, oh, it's a place of refuge and comfort and security. It's home. There's no place like home. There's no place like your own bed. You know, you can go to some fancy hotel and, and places like that, but when you finally come home and you have your own bed and just, there's no place like home. Well, Abraham, God said, get out of your home. I want you to leave. It wasn't very convenient. It wasn't very comfortable when God said, I want you to separate. And you know what God says to the Christian when he gets saved? I want you to come out, come out, come out, come out from the world, come out from the world and be separate, saith the Lord. Jesus said, I have chosen you out of the world. When you get saved, God calls you to something and he expects you to submit to his authority. And one of that, those things involves separation, separation. Come out from the world and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. The Bible says, he hath delivered us from this present evil world. The Bible says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. James says, um, he whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, Abraham was also told to separate from his family. Look again in verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Get away from your family. Did you know that Abram, Abraham's family, his relatives, if you read the Bible, they were idolaters? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Abraham was happy to hear this? God says, I want you to get up. I want you to move. I want you to leave. Do you think his family was happy when he broke the news? He said, guess what, guys? I'm leaving. I'm moving. I said, what? What are you talking about? You're leaving. You're moving. Why? I wonder how they reacted. You think they were happy to hear that Abraham was leaving? And at this time, you know, I mean, this culture family was very important. Staying together with the family. Sometimes putting God first results in separation. You know, before Hannah and I got married, she was she was telling me, you know, um, we got engaged, and then she started thinking, well, I don't know how my parents are going to react with with me have, getting married to you, and then me living over here so far away from them. And I asked her, I said, wait a minute, I thought we, we kind of had this discussion before, I thought you said that they didn't mind if you married a, a foreigner or American or something, because she said, well, first, they kept on trying to pressure me into getting married, and they tried to set me up with some guy in China, and then I didn't like him, and this and that, and, and uh, they kept on pressuring me to get married and saying I need to get married, and first they wanted me to marry somebody in China, and then um, I brought up the fact about because she was she had gone to a, a bible college in uh, the u.s in wisconsin and 
and she brought up the fact about marrying an American and they said, okay, I mean, we don't, we don't care if you marry American, that's fine. As long as you get married, but you need to find somebody, you need to get married. And I thought, well, isn't that what they said? So now why is it now becoming an issue? And she said, well, that's what they said. But now that, that it's really happening, now the reality is setting in and, and they might have a change of mind because if, if they realize that I'm so far away from them, they might change their mind now. And we had to have like this kind of a video conference thing where the first time they met me was over a computer camera and one of these apps and I had to, and Hannah translated and all of that. And I, in a sense, asking their permission for me to marry their daughter and, and I, I said something to the effect of, well, with technology, the world is, it's a much smaller place now with technology and, and uh, I can relate to how you might feel because, um, you know, my sister um, married somebody and then moved to Hawaii away from the mainland. And so my parents were not comfortable with that and the distance and all of that, but we will you know, visit you regularly and vice versa and all of that and kind of smooth things over and got them to accept it. And even even after we were married for years, sometimes her mom would, talking on the phone with Hannah, would start crying. Oh, you live so far away and the grandkids and I cannot see, you know, and over there, I mean, the the, the parents, when the, the kids have kids, the, the parents will move in and start kind of um, helping out raise the, their grandkids because the, the adult kids are working so much in that culture. So you think Abraham's family was happy that he was leaving, he was moving? I don't think so. But you know, God calls us to separate from many things. You know, there are some Muslims who got saved, converted to Christianity, and they were disowned by their family for doing so. Yeah. Separation, separation. God calls us to separate from certain things, sometimes from certain people. Why is that? The Bible says, one of the reasons, because the Bible says a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. I remember years ago, I was doing some body work on my truck, trying to get rid of some rust spots. And I was, I sanded the rust into down to what I thought was bare metal. And then I had to, um, patch it up with Bondo and then primer and then paint and try to make it match the rest of the truck and get rid of those rust spots because I knew that if I didn't, then the rust would just spread and eventually eat a hole through the outside of the, the, uh, the body of the truck. And I was so proud of this job that I did, all this sanding and all this work and looking at YouTube videos, trying to, uh, figure out how to do it correctly and all of that. And I was so proud of this job that I had done. A few months later, and I kept on look. I'd look at it periodically, and a few months later, saw these little bubbles under the paint popping up. Looked at it real closely, pressed on it. You know what it was? Rust. Rust. You know why? I didn't sand all of the rust. I thought I did. Or I, maybe I got lazy. I thought, well, you know, that's good enough. There was still some rust left under there. And it surfaced. 
just took it was just a matter of time. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. If you don't sometimes if you don't separate from something completely, just a little bit, just enough, you leave something there. Just a matter of time before it just grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and becomes a problem. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Separation, separation. Notice about Abraham's separation. God did, did not say, okay, I want you to just move. I want you to get away from your family. I want you to get away from your country and just go and just wander around aimlessly in the wilderness. No. God told him to separate from something to something. Look at verse 1 again. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Separate from something to something. God replaced the old with the new. Separate from something to something. Many Christians, when they get saved, they instinctively know that they need to separate from certain things, certain bad habits, sinful activities in their life, maybe uh, people that are a bit of bad influence and whatever. In many Christians, they make the mistake of not replacing the old with the new. And they say, okay, now that I'm a Christian, I know that I'm not supposed to do this, and I'm not supposed to do that, and I'm not supposed to do that, so they try to quit these sins. And they find that their life is either miserable or they are very um, unsuccessful in maintaining that separation because they are not replacing the old with the new. They are not filling that gap. You need to make sure that you replace old habits with new habits, old hobbies with new hobbies, whatever it is that you're separating from. Many times, separate to something, not just from something, but to something. Okay, and then I want you to see something else. Last of all, it involved on Abraham's part, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Look at verses 7 and 8. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hay on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord. What was the purpose of the altar? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Animal sacrifice. You know, a lot of times we, we talk about a prayer altar. Okay, uh, That's not the same altar here. In the Old Testament, when they built an altar, many times, it was, most of the time, it was a sacrificial altar. An altar to sacrifice we see all through the Bible. Even before the law of Moses, they would offer a sacrifice. They would build an altar for that purpose. Sacrifice. Notice he performed it during his journey. He could have made excuses. He could have said, well, I'm still on my journey and I haven't settled down yet. I'm not, I haven't even arrived at my destination. He could have said, well, these animals that I have, I need them for my livelihood. And he did. Sheep and, and whatever else he had, he could have said, I can't 
give up one of these. I need it for food. I, I haven't settled down yet. I, uh, who knows what might happen on the way. And so I, I need to play it safe. And once I get established, once I get settled down and I know that things are going to work out okay. And then, then I have, you know, my flock and my substance and all that. Then I can start sacrificing animals to the Lord like I used to. No, he didn't do that. He did it before he arrived, before he got established. He could have said, well, I mean, here I'm on this journey and uh, it would be too inconvenient to build an altar at this point. I'll wait till I finally reach my destination. Then I can build an altar and it'll be permanent and I can use it all the time. But just to build an altar and just use it, you know, for a few days or something while I'm on my journey, what's the point in doing that? But he did. He did. Notice, here's something interesting. He sacrificed in order to sacrifice, <laughs> right? He sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his convenient, his convenience in order to sacrifice an animal to God. He sacrificed in order to sacrifice. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, he made a sacrifice, not an animal sacrifice, but he made a sacrifice just leaving in the first place. And later on, he was told to sacrifice his son, Isaac. There are sacrifices all through Abraham's life, both uh, spiritual sacrifices and animal sacrifices. What Romans chapter 12 tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Of course, we know in the New Testament, we're not supposed to continue animal sacrifices because we have Jesus Christ as our sacrifice, but God still wants us to offer sacrifices. He wants to offer ourselves, not as a dead sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament, a dead animal. He wants your life to be a living sacrifice unto him. And he says it's your reasonable service. People say, oh, the Christian life, it's, it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, and it's just, just such a burden, and oh, it's just... No, God says your reasonable service. God's not unreasonable. He's reasonable. Reasonable. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. You know, I find that some Christians today, they can't even make a sacrifice to attend church. They can't sacrifice an hour or two hours of their time to attend church on Sunday morning. Born again, Bible-believing Christians. You know, I went to Bible college with, with uh, there are students, former students that I went to Bible college with for three years who no longer attend church. They're so backslidden and carnal now. And they were sitting there in class studying the Bible for hours, for three years, going to class every night. I'm called to the ministry. I'm, I, God called me down here from some other state. And where are they now? What happened? I've heard every excuse in the book about why Professing Christians can't attend church. One guy had the audacity to say, God didn't call me to go to church. It's not my calling. 
You're right. It's not your calling. It's your command. <laughs> God doesn't need to call you. You don't need a special calling in your life to go attend church. Somebody said, well, Sunday, that's my day off. I like to sleep in and relax and watch the, watch the ball game or go to the beach. Uh, that's our family day. That's, that's when we like to, you know, go and have a barbecue and all of this. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't believe in organized religion. <laughs> that's that's the, the latest excuse these days. Some people can't even sacrifice 15 minutes a day to read their Bible. I read that there's, in a particular area, there are Christians who are persecuted for their faith. It's illegal for them to have a Bible. So they have to smuggle, not Bibles, but just pages of the Bible at a time. Because it's too risky to have the entire Bible or they can't get access to it because of the persecution and the government restrictions. And so they have to smuggle just a page at a time. And they have to trade them around. And so when they get one page, they know that they cannot keep it, that they're going to have to pass it along to one of their friends. And so what they do is they'll memorize the contents of that entire page of the Bible before they pass it along to somebody else because they know that they can only get it one page at a time. So they, they'll memorize it. Then they'll looking forward to getting another page of the Bible and they'll memorize a page at a time because they can't have a Bible. And here we have the luxury of having the whole Bible just sitting on the desk, on the bookshelf, collecting dust. Some Christians, I don't have time for the Bible, but I have time to... Oh, look at... Oh, that's cute. Oh, look at this. Oh, so-and-so's dog. Oh, look at this video of somebody. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, look at this app. Oh, it makes me look so young. I, I can take a picture of myself and then take away all the, oh, that's so cute. Oh, what is this? Oh, what's happening? Oh, look at this picture. Phones. Phone. And all of a sudden, there goes two hours. There goes three hours. Every Almost every day when I'm walking into work and I see the, the morning shift, the people getting off of work, and I'm walking through the parking lot to go into work, and everybody's coming out and they're walking like this. All of them. Not young people, I mean, you know, older people. And I'm always tempted to walk in front of them with my back, turn my back to them with my phone and just go like this and have them just like bump right into me. I haven't done it, but I'm tempted. <laughs> When I was in uh, China on the subway, I was the only one that was not glued to his. Oh, and it's not just now, it's not just looking at it, the earplugs in too. You know, I work in a restaurant, nice, fancy, expensive restaurant at Turtle Bay, and parents let their kids have their own little. Tablet, whatever, right? Yeah, tablet with the headphones 
watching cartoons at the dinner table at a public restaurant. And the parents, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? The kid can't even hear the parent talking because he has the headphones. He's glued to the screen at the dinner table at a restaurant. What do you think it's like at home? Now, adults are like that. Christians are like that. They won't sacrifice time to just read the Bible when there were people who sacrificed their life, like William Tyndale was killed for translating the Bible into English. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. God says it's, it's, it's our reasonable service. How about tithing? Oh, I, oh, I, would, I, can't, I, I can barely pay my bills. I can't, I can't tithe. Did you know Americans spend five and a half million dollars a year on their pets? Yeah. Some Christians spend more money on dog food and cat food than they do in the offering plate. Oh, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't afford that. I can't sacrifice that. You can't. Well, what about all the other things that you're spending money on? Okay, in conclusion, God had a plan for Abraham. God had a plan for Abraham. When God called Abraham, it wasn't just to inconvenience him. Did you know that he called, the, called him to a place? And did you know that God blessed Abraham? That was part of God's program, God's plan on his, the calling on his life. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And through thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Now it took submission. It took separation. It took sacrifice. And it may take those things for you. God may not be calling, have some great call on your life. He might, but maybe God's not calling you to be a missionary. Maybe not God's calling you to, to do some great task. It might be something simple. God might be wanting you to maybe quit a certain sinful activity that you've you've been a little careless with. Maybe God's calling you to do something, just step it up a little bit. And it may involve these things but you know what if we see the reason why and it resulted in a blessing a blessing a blessing let's pray lord thank you again for the word of god and this um, example that we see with abraham's calling how it did involve submission and separation and sacrifice but it was a blessing that god that you had for abraham and i pray if um, you're calling anybody here today to do something for you, that they would look at it as, as a good thing, not as a drudgery or, or any convenience, but that whatever you call us to do, that you have a purpose, even if we don't understand it at the time. In Jesus' name, amen.